And let me encourage you also to, to know that, hey, it's Christmas season, right? So that means you can talk about Jesus all you want. You can literally point to anything. You know why that wreath's on the wall? Why? Because Jesus came. You know, hey, well, why is there floor mats that say Merry Christmas? Because Jesus came. Why are these utensils all colored and weird colors? Because Jesus came. That you just you can say any re- you can use any reason now to talk about Jesus. Well, you could before anyways, but now you have all the more reason to, because he's the reason for the season. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. That this is a season in which the world, whether they like it or not, has to acknowledge you. Everyone around, to the best of our knowledge, Lord, Christmas is renowned. It's seen on television. It's on the media. It's in, it's in the music we hear. We try to fill it with snowmen and other things, but we know the real reason. It's all because of Jesus. Lord, I pray that that just be an awesome encouragement and boldness that's empowered in us when we hear those jingles to say that God is with us. Even if the world doesn't see it, we can. We can get out there and preach your name to everyone because they need to know. Be with us now as we come to your word. Encourage us, fill us. Lord, convict us of our sin. And as I say over and over, we're good at justifying our sin. God, help us, break us down, ground us with power. Build us back up in you. Because you are God. The God who forgives. Oh, thank you, Lord. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so today uh, we're going to look at our text of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. And Paul is going to go over why this gospel is good news. And more precisely, why it's good news for you and me as believers. So we're going to, our title today is God took care of everything. If you get nothing else, just you can think on that. God took care of everything. So don't worry. So now Paul has been, for our context, has been speaking of the gospel in regards to end times, in regards to Christ's return. That's been the highlight. And real quick, I, I want to, I think it's important for us to understand because I find that many of us look around on TV, wherever it may be, in Christian bookstores, if you can find one, um, are obsessed with looking at end times, investing so much energy, trying to figure out when the Antichrist is coming, when and what events are going on in the world, that it, we make it and highlight it as if that's the centerpiece of the end. As if the Antichrist and what the world events are going on is what the end is all about. And, we're call, and as if we're called to focus on that and, and, and know all about that. But that's, that's not the case. Christ is what the end is all about. All the world events and Antichrist play a role in highlighting Christ. He is the one that will be magnified. He is the one we're called to look forward to. He is the one we should be obsessed with. He is the one that we should be called 
that we should be speaking much of. He's the one we should be investing our life in to know more and more and not really the piddly other things in comparison. Because we know who wins in the end. And his name is Jesus. So we live to declare Christ's return, not to figure out when he will return. For when we live to figure out the when, life then becomes all about us. And we forget that others need to know Jesus. And we become doomsday proclaimers and not gospel or good news proclaimers. But when we live declaring his return, we can't but help be involved in telling others of Jesus because the gospel is good news. And we want people to know about it. To know, as our title says, God took care of everything. Simple, I know, but But enough of that. Okay, so we're going to look at our text then to see why this gospel is good news and why we should let it empower us to declare Christ's return to each other and to all. To say God took care of everything. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, church, this verse alone captures on so many levels why the gospel is good news for you and me. For Paul has revealed something profound to all of us who have faith in Christ that should bring relief and bring freedom to all of our souls from our burdens. Paul has given insight into God's will for the Thessalonian church, insight to what God has planned, what he's ordained, what he's fulfilling, and what he's accomplishing over these people that Paul is writing to. But not only to those who Paul's writing to, but Paul himself and to all else who have faith in Christ. For Paul has said, not destined us, which includes you and me who believe our end is not God's wrath. We are not destined for that at all. They might ask, well, what's God's wrath? Well, his wrath is God's righteousness and just anger and punishment towards all who commit sin, which really is all people, because all people are sinners. And this wrath accumulates and becomes more exposed and more experienced on all sinners at a final destination, which is hell. And hell, in some sense, is God's wrath. Because it's not Satan who punishes sinners. He's not there poking you with a stick. But God himself is the one who punishes. punishes. He's the judge, he's the jury, and he's the executioner. Hell is where his devastating power of wrath, God's justice, is poured out upon all who have sinned against him. And so, to put it bluntly, man's, mankind's chief problem in this life is God's wrath. God's wrath that's upon them and that will be brutally experienced in the end forever because of our sin. That's the problem with all men who have faith, man and woman. God's wrath, hell, is spoken of in Mark chapter 9, verse 48. It speaks of it like this. For the worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. 
And it's spoken of in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, as this outer darkness and the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's even more disturbingly put in Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 through 11. It says this, He will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of all of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. It is God's wrath, it's the wrath of God because of our sin. That Paul here, though, is saying God himself has personally taken the responsibility over us and has destined, has appointed, has ordained, has stated that what we just read, that wrath is not our end through faith in Christ. His eternal, devastating wrath will not be felt by us and will not be experienced by us at all while on this earth or when Christ returns. Our sin, which makes us guilty to deserve such wrath, God personally over you and me has said, no, no. You are not going to have or experience his wrath at all because he has made it his own agenda over you to make sure it will not happen. I mean, just stopping there. Can you see how this gospel is good news? This is an incredible statement that God has said about those who have faith in Christ. Wrath is not upon them any, anymore, and wrath is not their end. This includes you and me, even with our darkest sins in our life. You know, that stuff that you have hidden so well that if it were exposed, if it were put on this projector for all to see and be on the internet, that you know people would be in shock about it and abandon you right here and now if they knew that you did or you thought such things in your mind. You know, that stuff, those sins that nag at your mind from time to time, and kind of disturb you in so much that you begin to think that you, you might probably won't make it into heaven because you're worried that God may change his mind over you because it was just that bad. So then you tr quickly try to think of something else because of fear, because of guilt, because of shame, because it's too much to really think about. You're like, I, can't, I can't do this. Even with those unmentionable sins in your life, that are disturbing you right now and you're hoping I move on because it's just too much to think on and you're already starting to block me out because, you, no, you can't do this. Know this. This passage says that you can have full assurance that you have no wrath upon you and you're not going to hell forever. You're not going to have to face God's wrath at all if you have faith in Jesus. Because God has stated it himself. This is his promise made to you and me. 
I mean, this is why Christ came to this earth. That's why Christmas is here. The Savior came to save us from our sins and the wrath to come. Or put more bluntly, God has stated that no matter what sin you had in your life, no matter what sin you will fall into the future in your life, and no matter what sin you are struggling with right now in your life, God has stated his wrath is not your end because of those sins, no matter how many accusations come upon you, no matter how many times you accuse yourself, no matter how guilty you are before him, you are not destined for his wrath. So think of it this way, your worst day, your worst week, your worst season in life where you are literally just a jerk to everyone and yourself. God promises you will not get any of his wrath because of any of those sins if you have faith in Jesus. So what do we get then in place of his wrath? Salvation. For Paul says at the end of verse 9, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. So not only is God personally seeing to it that we will not get his wrath, but he is also personally seeing to it that we will stay saved and forgiven forever. For he has made all the arrangements through his son to make it so. Paul is saying, through faith in Christ, God has not left us on our own to stay saved in our own power once we have faith in Christ. No, Paul is saying God has taken all has taken and has done all the requirements, all the performance of daily living, all the requirements of having a certain attitude in any situation, all of your emotions and words, your thoughts, your activities, all of your non-activities, all of your relationships, all of the sacrificing, all of the investing, your, the discipline, all of the work, all of the serving, all of everything. God has taken care of all of what was required for salvation and to keep salvation upon us to make sure that we stay saved as a status before him. God has taken care of all of that through Jesus. God took care of everything to make sure that you will stay saved forever and to never face his wrath. See, this is another way of saying that the certainty of your salvation is not dependent upon how good or how bad of a Christian you are before God. The assurance of your salvation does not come from how well you're measuring up and keeping God's laws and how well you are loving your neighbor as yourself and how well you are loving God himself. Your assurance of salvation is found in God and his promise to you through faith in Jesus alone. So let me ask you right now, do you believe that God will do what he stated here in this text? Do you believe he has taken care of everything for you so, you so that you will stay saved and never have to face his wrath? Because really, that is what Christianity is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. What God has done. And it's not about what you and what you have done or even what you are doing. In fact, that's why these Thessalonians were getting so anxious about judgment. 
because they were worried about their performance and their lives before God, focusing on what they have done, what they were doing, rather than what God has done for them. And Paul here is squashing out all those fears and worries. Paul is saying here that salvation does not depend upon you and me at all, but it's all dependent upon God through what he has done through his son. So just trust in Jesus by faith, for all will be okay for us, even when he returns to judge the world. There's a quote that I read the other day that sums up verse nice, uh, verse 9 kind of nicely. It's kind of crude, but it gets the point across. It helps us not worry about being whether we're good enough to be saved. And it says this, when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. Isn't that good? It is so good. You can just stop right there and say, amen, going home. I mean, that's exactly what Paul is saying here. There's nothing to worry about in regards to God's punishment or wrath over you and me now that we have faith in Christ. I mean, that's the good news he's talking about. God took care of everything. So our salvation will never leave us. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And he will not let us go, even if we let go to, of him from time to time. I mean, that's why you sin. The Apostle John speaks of this too, that we should not fear judgment day for our sins. For we're not destined to God's wrath or punishment, just his love through faith in Christ. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also, we, or so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with what? Punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Then Paul explains why a just God can do this. Why a just and holy God can let sinners go unpunished for their sins and be saved for all eternity. He says in verse 10, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, And it's those words, who died for us, that gives us all the explanation we need. For it's the summary of the gospel in four words. This is why God can see all this through for us, because Christ died in our place for us. This is amazing news. For he did take care of everything. But let me be... I'm going to come at this from a different direction so you can see how awesome and how freeing these four words are. See how amazing he died for us. Here he is. So that you never have to worry about God's wrath coming upon you for your sins ever again if you have faith in Christ. Okay, so God is holy and he is just. And he can't just let sin go free. That wouldn't be holy, that wouldn't be just. Sinners have to pay their debt. To sin against an eternal God 
demands an eternal punishment. God is just. He is righteous. That is his nature. So he has to punish sin. Otherwise, he would be unjust. Yet, at the same time, he deeply loves us sinners. But he cannot let us go free and do nothing about our guilt of sin. So how can God let sinners go free and make sure they don't receive his wrath or punishment, but will be saved and and yet still be a just and righteous God? And to put it on a human level, for example, so you can see the issue at hand, this is like, why can't just God let things be? If someone were to come into your home, rob you of everything you have, including your savings, somehow, I don't know, they hacked in, and you were somehow able to catch them and bring them before a judge, if the judge said, well, I'm a loving judge, they can just go free, pay nothing in return, and you know what? No punishment, just go. You would say that judge is unjust because no justice has been served. You'd say, get them out. But if someone stood up and said, I will pay back what that thief took from you, and I will even give you back more than what you started with, and on top of that, I will fulfill the very sentence and penalty that the thief deserved, I will put it on myself so that the thief then could go free. Then justice has been served. The debt has been paid. The sentence has been served. And you no longer really can hold anything against the thief. This then is what happened to Christ when he died for us. We were the thief. He was the one that stood up. But this was so, this was on on a much bigger level, what Christ did. All the punishment that was supposed to be ours because of our sin, Christ lovingly took upon himself in our place so we could be free and receive salvation. And God then can now be both just and love the sinner at the same time. For God, out of love for sinners, sent Jesus to take our place, to face the wrath for us so we could be free forever. This just God out of love for sinners, sent Christ, who lovingly came for sinners, to fulfill and meet all of the conditions of salvation for us, so that no matter how hard we sin and fail God, God will now never hold it against us in wrath. For all the wrath of our sin was placed upon Jesus in our place, for us, died for us, I'm going to be more blunt. Christ, who never sinned while on this earth and never sinned even up in heaven, he never sinned, he was perfect. The innocent one who was punished by his father as if he was the sinner in our place, taking the wrath that you and I deserve for all of our sins. He was punished as the adulterer. He was punished as the fornicator. He was punished as the liar, the murderer, the drug addict. Punished as the hater of God. Punished as the pervert. Punished as the cheater. Punished as the disobedient one to parents. 
punished as the gossip, punished as the doubter, punished as the abuser, punished as the terrorist, punished as being harsh, punished as being unloving, being selfish, being self-righteous, being judgmental, punished for every sin that you can think of and for every sin that you don't even realize that you have ever done. That you don't even know about. He died for you and me. He died for his church and for all who will believe upon his name so that they would not experience any wrath they deserve, that we deserve, but undeservingly, graciously just be blessed with blessing and friendship and adoption and restoration with God forever. Good news. When Jesus said upon the cross in John 19.30, it is finished, he meant it. For he fulfilled God's will for you and me. He said he fulfilled God's will for you and me so that we would never see God's wrath but obtain salvation by faith alone in him forevermore. Which is why Paul says then in verse 10, so that whether we are awake or we or asleep, we might live with him. And here again, Paul is just saying, whether we're alive when Christ comes back or, when, or if we have died in faith or in heaven, and are in heaven when Christ comes back, we'll always be with him and never, and never experience God's wrath. I'm going to be more practical with this. If you have faith in Christ and you are alive, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, and you are in the middle of a sin, Christ comes back, you won't have to face his wrath. They will not invoke his wrath. But you will only see his loving face and his sacrifice. Or if you died in faith and have already gone to heaven, your sins of the past will not be held against you to bring wrath upon you once he returns in judgment. For Christ has paid everything for you. But Christ will always be with us no matter where it happens and till his death. For again, God has done everything for us in Christ to make sure that we are fully saved before him in this life and the next. One person said this, all other religions in the last analysis present people with something they must do if they would be saved. Christianity alone tells us that all has and lastly, Paul says in regards to all of this in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And notice here, Paul says this to the whole church, not just the leaders or just the pastors. He speaks to all of them. You know what that means? Because they have faith in Christ, even if it's small and weak, they are all, you are all qualified to give each other encouragement and uplift one another in Jesus. Maturity, age, knowledge is not a prerequisite to uplift someone in the name of Jesus and remind them that Jesus has taken care of all. Even if you're not good with words and you fumble and mumble and nervous and get nervous, Paul is here saying, encourage you can always encourage and uplift a brother and sister in Christ by saying, hey, Jesus is going to handle this for you. 
He will get you through this. Just look to him by faith. He is working this out for your good, isn't he? All will end okay for you no matter what because your end is with him forever. Because again, what, and this has been pressed much here today, is that Christianity is about what, what God has done for us and not what we do for him. God took care of everything. And no matter who you are, if you have faith in Christ, you can carry that message to any believer and say, hey, don't worry, it's finished in Christ. All by faith alone in him. And you will be blessed in Jesus. You can also take that message to non-believers and say, hey, there is a hope. Because why? Christ lived a life we could not live. He died the death that we deserved, and he came back to life to give what we could not give. All by faith. It's finished in Christ. So now we're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to invite the deacons to come on up here. And by the way, we take this Lord's Supper...